I was going through a rough time. I was um, in the midst of drug addictions. I had other addictions, and um, I'm not someone that blames others for my failures or anything like that. I need a dollar, dollar, dollar. That's what I need. Hey, hey. Through some newspapers and odd jobs. I mean, I don't work a full-time job, but through odd jobs and stuff, I managed to get me a room over here on 13th Street. And if I share with I just thought, you know, he seems to be a pretty dependable person and really trying very hard to pull himself up and out of his predicament. This is Sounds from the Street, where we get to meet the men and women who define street sense. DC's nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness. I'm your host, Adam Campy, and today's guest is writer Jeffrey McNeil. A lot of people write for Street Sense, volunteers, staffers, vendors, but Jeffrey McNeil identifies as a writer. In this show, he bravely shares his story and how he willed his way from the grips of addiction to a place in the workforce. With a little help from his friend and today's other guest, Street Sense board member Margaret Jenny. First, a little on Jeffrey's backstory. I was um, born in Zanesville, Ohio, May 7th, 1969. I grew up in New Jersey. I lived in Philadelphia for a while. I lived in Baltimore for a while, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. about 2007. What brought you to D.C.? Through luck, I met a group of people that came from Washington, D.C., and they said that this is where all the resources were. And do you remember the day that you started at Street Sense? I discovered Street Sense by accident. I was um, working at a, at a strip club called Fast Eddie's. I was a cook there, and um, I got my first paycheck. I got drunk. Passed out, got robbed, and that might have been the best thing that ever happened to me because I seen a guy with a green vest that was selling newspapers. And he said, you could sell newspapers and put some money in your pocket. I was a proud person. I didn't want to be out there panhandling and begging. I didn't want people out there feeling sorry for me. So I just started selling newspapers. I've been published in The Washingtonian, The New York Times. I wrote a book. I'm actually working on a second book. Wow. So you just like naturally have a, a skill to write? No, I mean, you, when I came down here, writing? I was illiterate. I had an eighth grade education. I just started going to the library, reading. And what got me into writing is there's two sides to every story. Usually there's the liberal side, and then I say there's the facts. One other thing I'm really fascinated by, because I've been buying the paper from the same guy for, for years now, is the relationships that grow out of people vending yeah. and you know like certain people you probably have regulars right because yeah. they, they see you in that corner yeah, well, it's sort of a routine it was the regulars that got me out of homelessness Margaret Jenny I had a relationship with her and um, I work for her today my name is Margaret Jenny I'm the president of RTCA and we're in my offices here in Washington DC you pretty much can't get off Farragut West without between there and here you're gonna run into at least one vendor and I just started getting interested in these vendors out there and who they were. And, you know, one of the next mornings as I came into work, he was out there as usual with his uh, newspapers. And I just stopped and started talking to him. And he, he would give me his newspaper and he would always indicate that he had an article on a certain page. So that was interesting to me. So I would just take, take the paper and read the article. And then the next time I would see him, we would start having a conversation about his article uh, and his politics, which were not the same as mine. <laughs> so, in, in, you know, just different, different ideas about things. 
Uh, so we would spend some time on the street talking about that. The best thing we could do for the poor is cut every government program and give them a check. The reason why Street Sense works is you don't have to go to a middleman. If you want to buy the paper, you give me the money and I will decide what to do with it. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe we should do something like they did back in the, the 1870s with the homestead rebate. The reason why we're having housing problems on the East Coast is because of the huge regulations and all the, the, all the land is owned by private people. So all this area that's being saved for otters and deer, maybe if we send the poor out there and let them redevelop it and give them some type of rebate, that'd be a way to solve these problems. Because everybody's right. just competing for the same living space. And so it's creating housing shortages somewhere else. So at one point I just said, why don't we get together for coffee and we'd have more time talking about your writing. So we started on a kind of routine basis, maybe every, probably once a month. We would just, uh, through email, we would pick a time when we would meet at, you know, one of the local coffee shops. And, you know, Jeffrey would get some coffee and a little something to eat, and we would spend 45 minutes just talking about politics. Uh, and then he started telling me more and more about how much he likes to write and how much he would love to be able to find ways to make a living at it and start just finding outlets for his writing. So I started trying to think about ways to help him with that and tried to, you know, connect him with people. He's very, very good at networking, and he's very good at leveraging all the people that he meets out there. And then um, another customer, you know, helped save my father's life when my dad was really sick. And another customer, you know, helped me, you know, I, don't, I haven't drank in seven years. It's more than just buying the paper. I don't really, I write columns. It gives a voice that, you know, nobody else is hearing. You're reading from a, a person that's not a policy wonk, or a politician, or a professional writer. You're just hearing grassroots writing. So, I mean, these are, like, huge stories. So you're saying somebody helped, your fa your father was sick. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a long um, story. Like, one day, my dad, because my dad lived up in New Jersey, he passed away last year. That's why I wrote this story. He had um, prostate cancer. One of my customers drove all the way up to New Jersey. We took him to the hospital and literally saved his life. That was based off of you would explain the story, and, yeah. and you guys had developed a relationship over time. Yeah. One day I was down here selling in front of DuPont Circle. I seen a church group from Barnesville, Ohio. That was where my mom got buried. And um, they went back, and that's how I reconnected with my whole family because they didn't even know I was on the streets because that's how far I, I regressed, that I was so ashamed of who I was that I didn't even want to you know, tell my family I was on the streets. So you just kind of vanished? Yeah. Yeah, and I reconnected, and you know, I have relationships with relatives. And, you know, I'm doing good. I could do better, but, you know, I'm not doing it. Do you, do you mind talking about your current situation? Like Through selling newspapers and odd jobs. I mean, I don't work a full-time job, but through odd jobs and stuff, I managed to get me a room over here on 13th Street. I've been there for about five years. Um, the only reason I stay there is because of cheap rent. We just sort of kept getting together and talking about his articles. And I sat him down and I said, I have a proposition for you. So you should know a little bit about our company. The RTCA, which stands for Radio Technical Commission for Aeronautics. We operate a lot of large committees. We have a lot of meetings here. We have a fairly large conference space that's fairly high tech because we have a lot of people who call in. We have remote. We have virtual meetings. We have to set up our conference rooms every night. And you have to be able to move tables around, uh, clean tables, set up microphones, wire everything. It's not a trivial job. It can take a while. 
and you can't do it till the end of the day. So I offered to Jeffrey, I said, what if you were to come in every night at five and stay for however long it takes you to reconfigure the rooms for the next day? It can take anywhere from five minutes to two hours. Um, and I offered him a, a sort of a, we'll pay you for the two hours, no matter how long it takes you. But there are a couple stipulations. One is you have to be 100% reliable. You can't call me and tell me that you've got some reason why you can't make it that night. We have to be 100% dependent on you because my staff has got to be on board with doing this, you know, and then we'll pay you a set amount and, and I'll put it directly into an account. Through this process, he had to establish a bank account for the first time um, and set himself up to do that. So I waited till he got that in place and uh, we started, this is probably, uh, I think we're coming up on almost three years since we did this. Uh, and he has really not missed a beat. There, there have been a few times where he's had family issues and had to go, but he's been very careful about letting us know. He's reporting to an, one, of the, one of the people on my staff. Um, she puts together a book every day. He comes in when he can and checks it out. It sees what the configurations are, and he, and he makes it happen. Street Sense is just grassroots, everyday people telling their life stories. And, you know, you, every once in a while, like I said, I've had articles picked up by the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. So I like to read to, to challenge my critical thinking skills because it's a progressive newspaper, so you have the progressive bias. So I like to, you know, portray the other side of the story. Hmm. Meaning the not progressive side. Yeah, I mean, not the liberal or conservative side, but usually when you write, you get one set of facts, but you never ever get the, either the causes or the root causes or why something is that. Are you getting it from a, a social worker or a professional, but you're not getting it from the independent voice? But like last issue, I wrote about the Medicare system where it only helps the very rich or the very poor. It don't help guys like me who are right at the poverty line, who wants to get off because if you make over a certain amount, then they knock you off of Medicaid and they make you pay for things. And just because all money is relative, like you might be making 20000 a year, but if you got two kids, then 20000 a year is is not that much money. So all income is relative. So how we gauge things makes, you know, makes the whole poverty discussion out of whack because it's material poverty. I take a side that's not the traditional mainstream. The reason that people don't read some of these Beltway papers because they're, they're, they're just partisan and it's just a typical talking point that you know, if people just get tuned out. Do you primarily write opinion pieces? You know, I'm writing personal stories because, yes, I was homeless. I was homeless. I slept out here for three years. I slept in the shelters. I lived in the streets. I was robbed at gunpoint. I was almost murdered. I mean, I've had some bad experiences out on the street. So I think that, you know, there's two kinds of um, people out there. There's those that are progressive who got their head stuck in the sand because they don't want to believe that this type of stuff goes on with, with their social engineering. And then there's those who know what's going on and they're, and they're rigging the system. And it's not either or, it's not just Democrats or Republicans, it's the system, it's broken. Who is, in, in your estimation, Jeffrey McNeil? Ah, Jeffrey, um, that's a really good question. He is a person with, I think, a fair amount of pride. Um, he's somebody who 
doesn't believe in getting handouts. Um, Willie believes that people should, best way to put it, uh, we have conversations about things like welfare, and he sees some of that as, as actually not helping people but keeping them down. And, and so he, I think, feels that he's done a fair amount to try to pull himself up and out. Um, I think he has issues with people who don't do that, uh, and that can sometimes get him in trouble with people. Uh, he's got very strong opinions, uh, and they're not, they're not what you would normally consider or would think would be his opinions about things. I mean, he talks to me about... Donald Trump as somebody that's worth listening to, and I, I, it, it just takes you back. You have to think, why is he saying that? He works hard. He, he doesn't really, you know, suffer fools well, I don't think. He knows that he's flawed. He knows he's made mistakes. He's tried very hard with his family, but he's got some interesting relationships there. So I think he's a fairly intense person who's trying very hard to make his way in the world and, and do it um, without expecting people to give him a lot. How would you describe the feeling of being on the streets or being homeless? It's I'd say it's like a roach motel. It's easy to get into, but it's hard to get out of because after a while, sometimes you could be comfortable in your homelessness because you don't have to get up and work in the morning. Everything's there for you. You can go to Miriam's Kitchen, get a free meal. You can go in the park on Saturdays, you know, and I mean, especially if you have an addiction, like an alcoholic, you can rustle up a few bucks to go get a beer, get fed, three hots in a cot, and you know, it's easy. I mean, I look at it like there's homelessness and there's a homeless mentality. There are some people that believe that the world is, the world owes them something, that everything is a right. No, I don't believe everything is a right. And I think that's the problem with poverty. When you give something for free, you're not going to take care of it if you go out and work for it. And that's why I worked my way out of homelessness because I don't want nobody to give me anything. I want to go out here and work for it. What myths about homelessness would you like to dispel? There's millions of dollars being spent on poverty, but homelessness is, is increasing instead of decreasing. Like I was just reading an article in Street Sense, which is a good article, where they're spending $14 million a year on a shelter D.C. Family General, there's rats, roaches, women are getting sold into prostitution, so wouldn't it have been better to get rid of the shelter and just gave everybody that was homeless a check and let them go find their own housing? What would you like people to know about you when you're not vending the paper? I mean, obviously you like to write, you are interested in, in politics and, and social issues, but what do, you, what do you like to do when you're not vending? Well, I'm a well-rounded person. I mean, I, I can talk about any issue besides you know, social issues or whatever that, you know, I'm a well-rounded, I like to fish, I like to hunt. What's your dream scenario? Write a best-selling book until I can retire so I don't have to get up and work anymore. I can just go travel around the country. So he's, uh, after about two years, we expanded. Um, so we've actually given him a raise and given him a little more responsibility. And I think... Uh, He's been able to parlay that a little bit into, because he's got that experience, he's been able to get other, he has other jobs during the day now. I think he's actually got a job at a gym. Working at LA Fitness. Neither of which are the, you know, ultimately what he wants to do with his life. He continues to write, and you know, we continue to meet for coffee and talk politics and argue. And <laughs> um, he's very thoughtful and persuasive, and 
you know, he gets me thinking. I think we do that to each other. Uh, and he's, he comes to social events with us, with the staff. All in all, I think it's uh, for us and for Jeffrey, it's been kind of a win-win. That was Jeffrey McNeil on writing himself into housing and Margaret Jenny, the president of RTCA. Because of her curiosity and compassion, Jeffrey now has a job. And because of Jeffrey, Margaret now sits on the Street Sense board. To hear more sounds from the street, check out streetsense.org backslash audio or find us on SoundCloud. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at Street Sense DC. Sounds from the Street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things. Used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black with Leon Michaels, Nick Mobshon, and Jeff Dynamite. Used by permission of Songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music Incorporated, slash Sony ATV. The following songs use courtesy of Creative Commons, found on WFMU's Free Music Archive. Excerpt of Happy Times, Pluck and Bounce, Elephant, and Quiet March by Adam Seltzer from the album Production Music. Excerpt of Heebie Jeebies by Graham Bowl from the album First New Day. And excerpt of Haven by Gel Sonic from the album Various Moods 2.